0: Persons. And I'm Shauna West. Welcome to the Creative Exponent podcast. This is a
1: place where we talk about discovering, upholding, and sharing your creativity.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creative Exponent podcast. This is season three, episode nine, and we have such a special guest here for you. I'm so excited (laughs) to have her here. She was like one of my dream guests. So yes,
1: you are on the dream guest list.
0: (laughs) You are. (laughs) So it's awesome. This is Philippa Stanton of, um, you may know her on Instagram as at five foot inf. We were actually just talking about that, about (laughs) what that handle means. And so it's, it's at the number five, F-T as in feet, and then I-N-F. So I asked her if INF stands for infinity. I was thinking like, you know, she's five foot, but is infinitely big, but <laughs> that's not what it is. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about your Instagram handle?
2: Yeah, hello. Um, it's a My Instagram handle was a mistake. Well, not a mistake, <laughs> but it was never meant, meant to be that. I was always going to come back and like make it something really much better Mm. but basically yes five foot is my height Mm -hmm. and inf um is an it was an old nickname because um when I worked in the theater a lot I played um the infant phenomenon in um, Mm -hmm. Nicholas Nickleby Uh, and so backstage I was known as Inf and And after that tour finished, I was doing that job for about two years. And after that tour finished, I a friend said, Oh, why don't you make a blog? Because I'd be taking lots of photographs on my um on my phone. Uh, and I said, Oh, do, can you do a blog which is just images and no words? <laughs> she said, yeah. like, oh, You can do what <laughs> you want. And so she she helped set it up. And then she said, And what are you going to call it? And I was like, oh, what you have to call it something isn't it just <laughs> Philippa stanton and she's like oh no you've got to kind of have a a name for it and i said oh i don't know i really don't know i said just five foot in yeah <laughs>
1: i'll
2: come back and i'll
0: change it later I never perfect. did. You that's okay what, it's though, meant think- to be I think so many people have Instagram handles and blog names and stuff that are like that. You just think, oh, I'll do like Mm -hmm. my my blog handle is Miss Mustard Seed. And um, it was something my brother said, here, get this domain because the domain I wasn't I wanted wasn't available at the time. And so Ah. it just it just kind of happened that way. But um, anyway, well, we're. So Philippa, well, first of all, you have to go check out her Instagram because it is, it's a feast for the eyes. It's such an encouraging, happy little place on Instagram. And it is, um, I mean, it's all about creativity. And I, I just absolutely love it. And I actually found Philippa through her book that – did it come out last year in um, – End of 2018. Okay. So, so okay. it's been yeah, out – couple... I, so I got it maybe after it had been out about a year. I was just walking through Barnes & Noble, and I'm always on the lookout for books about creativity, which is really difficult to find because there's not, like, the yeah. creative book section. It's, like, it might be in photography. It might be in art. It might be – anyway –
2: yeah, this was that was a question that I was like when we were, you know, getting it all together. It's like, what section do you see this book?
0: Yeah. In?
1: Yeah.
2: And I was like art, and they were <laughs> kind of like, uh, is it can it go in craft? And I said, uh, well, I suppose, but it's not a craft book. It's about um, how you kind of think about creating rather than how to create mm. something specific. It could be craft. It could be art, it could be music, it could be dance, I don't know, it could be anything. So it would that was a tricky thing, like you say, there is no specific um category really. I think it I think it goes in mindfulness actually
0: quite a lot of
2: time Mm -hmm. now.
0: Well somebody in Barnes and Noble was right on my wavelength because they curated a table that was books that were about creativity. So it had like floral design books and some art books and photography Mm -hmm. and your book was on that table and I'm like this one (laughs) I this is what I was looking for a book on creativity and did you do that
2: thing because also when I was writing it and thinking about it and stuff I love going to you know gallery shops at the end of an exhibition or whatever and I and I always want to buy something and I'll see a book with a beautiful cover and I'll, I'll think, oh, yeah, maybe. And then I open it and it's just full of words. Yeah. And I think, oh, that's not what I thought it was. <laughs> I wanted my book to be, if someone did that and they opened it, it was just like a big burst of, of colour and yeah. interesting images. And, you know, I always wanted to be able to write um, a, a visual essay. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's it's really good to know that you picked it up and thought, yes, that's that's it. That's sort of what I, you know, one of my um,
0: imaginings as I was writing it. Yeah. Well, I, I think this really is a, a book that pe- anyone who's doing any kind of creative work or or just creativity as a hobby or just exploring their creativity should have this book because it's so encouraging, it's... It just it gives you so many ideas. I was showing Philippa before we started. I have like all these pages of notes (laughs) on her book, just like great quotes, lots of wonderful thoughts about creativity and exercises. It's so good. Um, But I'd really love to hear. So I, you know, I I'm familiar with your Instagram. I've read your first book conscious is it your first book or have you written yeah okay yeah, so it was,
2: always, it was my first and last
0: I had no I was always saying there's nothing else this is it, this it. Is all I have. <laughs> but I'd love to hear your story so I know you have a theater yeah. background but kind of how did you you know meander into writing this book and just the creative work that you're doing today
2: yeah, well, it's I. I always jokingly start because I do get asked that question because it seems a quite um, a circuitous route into things, and I uh, often jokingly say through unemployment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome.
2: As, a, as an actor, uh, has, the amount of time you spend as an unemployed actor um, means you. Plenty of time. (laughs) Uh, However, I I think that is that sort of simplifying things a bit. I think so. I basically, you know, I've always been creative. I suppose Uh, I think we all are as kids, anyway. My mother was incredibly encouraging of of all that, and i I I wasn't very. I didn't feel very academic at school. Uh, Words and stuff and, and writing things it didn't feel like it, that was my comfort zone. And then when I discovered um I think I, I I got into acting, drama, whatever at school, and then I discovered um plays and Shakespeare mm-hmm. and we lived near Stratford upon Avon and mm-hmm. and then when I was 13 I worked with the RSC as not mustard seed, but I was cobweb in Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I, I did that for a year and was surrounded by extraordinary people, you know, actors and musicians. And, and I just thought, this is it. This is the only thing I ever want to do. Mm. And um, basically the rest of my teens were sort of to that end. Yeah. However, being a creative person at school and not massively academic, the subjects I liked, and my school didn't do drama at a level or anything like that so I tried to find the subjects that were most creative and so I did art and I did um loved classical civilization Mm. and I did government and politics as well but that's sort of (laughs) we'll skip over that (laughs) Um, wasn't very good at that and I had the most amazing art teacher at a level Mm. and my art teacher pre that was dreadful you know I did not know how I passed my GCSEs but at a level I had this life-changing teacher Mm. and she just taught me how to see how to look at things and and she was really quick and she was but she was a working artist she was enthusiastic about art history absolutely loved art history so at the point in my life where I thought I know exactly what I want to do she sort of changed things and I thought oh my god maybe I want to do art oh I don't know what I want to do so I also wasn't like I keep saying I wasn't academic enough to get um, a place at university to do drama that was never going to happen You had to be brilliant at English and all that sort of thing. And then and I wasn't actually good enough for art to get a place to do fine art or anything. And I loved art history. So I was a bit torn. I didn't really know what to do, especially as I'd been gearing everything towards going to drama school or, you know, doing that. So what I did, I took a year out and then I I decided, yes, I'm going to study the history of design love objects I can learn through that and I thought oh yeah if I I could maybe become a designer in the theatre or something maybe I'd and then just things sort of shifted around I didn't enjoy it at uni so I dropped out and I'd always been a very active member of the National Youth Theatre in London and I was in a, and it just was like I think a boyfriend at the time said what are you doing <laughs> why aren't you going to drama school so I thought yeah yeah okay I yeah that's right so I went I I did what I'd always wanted to do and I got into RADA I trained as an actor for three years and I'm still teased by my friends I was at RADA with because at RADA I was one of the students I supported myself a lot of you know just with extra money by making cards painting things and selling them to my oh, that's so I, I was always in my dressing room painting or making the two things just never were able to split really mm-hmm. from that so even when I worked at Shakespeare's Globe I had my sewing machine in my dressing room yeah, and wow. you know always doing that and then going back to the um, initial thing I said about unemployment when I was unemployed that is what I then started to do. I started to make things, have things on stalls. I got a studio in Brixton. I had a stall at Spitalfields Market in London. I made tweed handbags. And, and so that's what I did to earn a bit of money when I was unemployed as an actor. And then <laughs> after I had my son, um, he was born in 2000. And acting work really kind of, yeah, maybe it was after he was two, actually. My acting work just really slowed down. My marriage was falling apart, and I thought, "Oh my god, okay, I'm gonna have to really put a lot of effort into my painting." Mm. Yeah. So I did that, and then so the things have run concurrently. Um, my whole life and acting was a major part, and and the painting and making and creating was secondary, and it's sort of shifted. Now, Mm -hmm. so I still do a little bit of acting as and when it happens. Um, and I'm just kind of going, Well, I'm going to be open to everything at the moment. Uh, the creativity and the book and everything just is taking uh, that's got the focus at the moment. Mm -hmm. I know I've rambled on massively about that. (laughs) No, that's
1: it's worth hearing. (laughs)
0: Oh, it's so wonderful! Um, yeah, and I think you know what I'm hearing so much in your story is about how you, you know, you sort of meandered along, and there were things that you were good at and things that you weren't good at that that sort of steered your decisions. Hmm. And 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 I love that because I think that a lot of people um, feel like their path has to be all about like kind of chasing one thing. And I think yeah. it's, it's rarely like that for people. It is yeah, sort of think- this meandering and, and trying things and seeing w- what works. And then as you get older, what you can actually be profitable.
2: I had a very good, um, m- both my parents were self-employed and, you know, I was very lucky. My, my parents were able to support me financially through, through college and stuff and so uh, the the fact that I was able to go this is how what I want to do Mm -hmm. was support I was support always supported emotionally and financially and I think that's kind of important to say because it's all very well saying oh yeah I'm just going to follow my dream and be creative Mm.
1: yeah
2: if there's no financial support that's really really hard Mm. Uh, and um and although you know as I got older I I was less financially supported I got married and had my own family or whatever Uh, um but my parents were self-employed they did their own thing and my mum particularly was always doing lots of different stuff and I would work with her at craft fairs she made this toffee she was way ahead of her time this was in the (laughs) 80s she made butterscotch salted toffee Mm. Um, she used this salty spa water Uh, and we'd go to these fairs and people go oh salty toffee salty and sweet (laughs) now you can't get enough of it right I remember trying to sell these boxes of toffee to people helping (laughs) my mum and um so so I had a sort of background of you know trying to create stuff yourself Uh, um, she also my parents ran a hotel for a while when I was about 10 and on top of that my mum had this idea that she could go around the industrial estates at lunch times with a big basket full of sandwiches and crisps and and she would sell um, people working on the industrial estates sell them lunch oh yeah (laughs) go and do that with her and so she was always thinking up ideas, you know, business ideas. And so I don't think I'm particularly business savvy, but I think I had a good template of doing things to generate, yeah. to survive or to generate some income. Yeah. Uh, um, and which in turn with, with me doing it in my life, it made me realise Again, how supported my mum was by actually my dad's business,
1: Yeah,
2: you know, which I I hadn't even thought about uh, when I was younger. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky to have uh, parents who made it OK to just follow what I wanted to do.
1: Yeah. Mm, that's so yeah, important. That's, it is so important. I think, well, tell me then, how did the, how how did the book come about in in all of that? Which, of course, you know, it it does. It all makes sense. And I, like Marion, I love that you touched on sort of, because we just recorded an episode that's actually launching today about, you know, the beautiful no and getting no's and no and no. And, you know, it's just, it's always to me refreshing to hear story after story after story of obstacles and issues and stuff to jump over and swim across and walk through before you kind of get to that sweet spot and even when you get to it you got to keep doing that anyway cuz you're going to have all these little you know sporadic yeah. nose in there so that it's so cool to hear hear your story. And then, yeah, I want to know how the book came about, Conscious Creativity. I've, I've just ordered it, by the way, while we're talking. I'm <laughs> like, just forget it. I'll go and get it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the book, it's funny. I, like I, I mentioned earlier, I, writing things wasn't really in my comfort zone. i would never had any hankering yeah. to really write a book. I think I'd probably had a hankering to write a visual essay. Okay. I would love that. Like a, a John Berger of ways of seeing. Yeah. To, to write things, to, to put loads of images together and that, that be it, and me yeah. not say anything. I was talking to somebody yesterday, actually, about captions on Instagram, and I was like, <laughs> I don't ever want to put a caption. I just <laughs> put the image or whatever, and that speak for itself. Anyway, so, yes, uh, I didn't have um, a notion about writing a book um, or anything like that. I think it sort of – I was actually approached um, by a, a commissioning editor. Okay and I feel embarrassed to say I ignored the email because no. I thought oh, <laughs> I really that, it came by a sort of weird way uh, um what <laughs> I would say a year before I received that email I was sort of in that in the midst of Instagram it was probably about the time when a lot of people had jumped ship from lots of of blogs and gone oh Instagram and yeah. at that point I was a suggested user on Instagram and honestly for so people would go oh what what are you up to at the moment and I go well, I found this app called Instagram I've got lots of followers yeah. and they're like all right okay and <laughs> uh, so the fact that I had lots of followers early on on Instagram no it didn't mean anything to anybody yeah it really had no significance People, even at the beginning when I went on Instagram, people going, no, I like hipstamatic. Uh, that was it. Yeah. End of conversation. <laughs> or no, I do Twitter. Yeah. Anyway, I just kept on with Instagram because I liked it. Um, there was a point when so many people kind of flipped over to Instagram that something shifted, something changed. So all these images I'd been doing suddenly loads of other people were doing those images yeah and i i felt a bit kind of oh my god i feel like i'm disappearing into yeah. this. and mm. i thought that's not just who i am and i it made me think who am i what am i what do i do and so i started doing a few workshops i started thinking about teaching in a sense to uh to be specific yeah about because i thought i've got more to say mm-hm than a cup of tea on the table yeah <laughs> you know an arrangement of, I've got more to say about the, the whole process rather than going I'm a stylist or something and I just uh, and I didn't want to do that I wanted to say more and so uh, I didn't really know what I was doing and then I went back to this email that I'd got before <laughs> Christmas and and then I thought well I better reply I don't really know what she wants <laughs> And then she said, "Can I meet you and can we talk?" And and we did. And I said, "I don't really know. I've never written a book. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to do." Uh-huh. And she said, "Oh well, maybe have a little think about it." And then, coincidentally, someone got in touch and said, "Would you do some one-to-one mentoring yeah. with me?" And I said, well, "I've never done that, but yeah, actually, that might be quite fun." Yeah, and that released so I loved putting these classes together I did like a six-week thing with her
1: oh, fine, and yeah.
2: after I'd done that I thought I know what I want to talk about mm. yeah. <laughs> but it was so it was a coming together of somebody asking me to teach them yeah um, a commissioning editor saying what would you write about and I didn't know <laughs> and then it all came together I thought okay I, I it's yeah, I basically worked out how I went about and how I thought about my own creativity, and that's what conscious creativity—the book—is yeah. a, a sort of an, a tool to help other people um, approach creativity that way.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that and it's—it's it's really. I just can't stress what a wonderful book it is that I think really speaks to the creative soul and some of the angst that people feel when they're creating that. Yeah that criticism and the questioning and the, uh, you know, am I good enough? And we talk about that a lot on the podcast, how many people just, you know, quit and throw in the towel or just say, well, I, I can't draw. I'm not creative. Yeah, I'm not creative. Um, But I think it speaks. So I think this book really speaks to people who feel that, like they feel like they're not very Mm -hmm. creative. And I think this is a book that can really awaken that in people. But for people who, you know, are kind of already on that creative path, I found that there were so many just simple, beautiful encouragements that I found all through the book. Um, One of the exercises that really stuck out to me was um, dealing with comparison. Because specifically when, when I was reading the book, I was I think a lot of people struggle with that in the creative oh, yeah. world. Yeah. I mean, me included. Yeah. I didn't write that kind of having sorted that out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. so, I,
2: I suffered from Jeez. that too. So uh,
1: we all do. Yeah. I think the
2: comparison thing is really, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because we all like looking at other people's, Work and enjoying other people's work, and then somehow it suddenly turns on you. Right?
1: right. <clears throat> yeah.
2: No, hang on a minute. I was just enjoying that. <laughs> Why is that now making me feel terrible?
0: <laughs> so, <Yes>. um, <laughs> that's yeah, exactly that's really well. To acknowledge it. I loved that exercise though. On okay, why, you know, why are you feeling that way? And what is it that you are, that you like about that person? Yeah. Like to really turning it into something positive. And I actually, I was reading it in the airport and I actually sat there in the airport writing a list of people that I would kind of feel that, you know, that comparison thing, like, man, they're doing so much. They always have something amazing going on. Like everything they do is like on fire and it's all smoke and mirrors a lot with right time. but yeah. I started writing out a list of like what I admired about them and I'm like man well I I could do that and I could do this and you yeah. know what? I really don't want to do this like I admire yeah. that in them but this is not really what I would want to do all the time and it was such a therapeutic experience for me it That's really right. was yeah yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: That's funny. It, it last funny. night, this is going to go down a real strange path. So just hang with me. <laughs> but last night, <laughs> we were watching this old movie with Anthony Hopkins in it, and it's called The Edge. Have you ever seen it, either of you? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's in short, he's this billionaire, and he and a couple of uh, co workers and friends get in a small plane crash, and they're trying to survive in the wilderness and all this stuff. And anyway, at the end of the movie, there's this moment, though, where <laughs> there's a bear. There's a bear in the movie <laughs> that's okay. chasing them and following them. But he's trying to get this other guy that's with him to just calm down and do something, you know. And he starts saying over and over, I mean, a little bit manic, uh, you know, what one man can do, another can do. What one man can do, another can do. And I just, I, you know me, Marion, I'm sitting there like... Oh man, this is so. I mean, what a great analogy! And I'm pulling all this meaning out, and the guys are, you know, watching this bear try to eat people. But you know, it's so true. <clears throat> With comparison, it's the same thing. You know, we we really do get stuck in that point. And so, I love that exercise too. I remember Marion telling me about it, and I will be reading it very short shortly. But you know, I think that's a wise thing to say. Like what. What is it that you're drawn to and just go with that? Yeah. That's it. It doesn't have to be more than yeah. that. You know what one person can do, somebody else person.
2: can. Yeah. You don't have to live that life. Yeah. But you can acknowledge those things that you think, oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean it's the same when you appreciate um, a painting. Yeah. And actually there's an exercise in the in the workbook which is about which touches on on this, but also I think w- comparison. Stuff and, and when you like something, it can lead to you wanting to emulate that work mm, rather than yeah. kind of creating your own. Yeah. Uh, um, and, but what I say is so if you go to a gallery, an art gallery, you'll often see art students um, sitting, making detailed copies of a, you know, a masterpiece, a classical painting in that gallery because appreciating it appreciating what you that you know the mastery of it or, or um working out how they do something mm-hmm. by copying is a brilliant exercise yeah because it um it makes you realize your strengths and weaknesses yeah. apart from anything but it may and it makes you kind of it just just takes you to a different place Mm. and it's you're not comparing yourself to um you know van gogh or something you're not going oh why why can't i be van gogh and paint like that but you're trying to just kind of look at how he did things or something yeah yeah i I I love doing studies thing but it's uh, but i think um I think comparison assassination mm-hmm. is so difficult to deal with. And you go, oh, if I can't be Van Gogh, what's the point? And you go, well, <laughs> it's <laughs> not quite that. It's you've got to find those positive things that you can take yeah. with you. Um, yeah. and, and then develop them into something else. That's why that, Then it sort of leads into you go, oh, I'm just going to try and copy it. So, so I, I can do it like that. And that's that's part of the process, but it's not part of the. It's but yeah, it's part of the process, but you personally can create your own thing. Yeah, you yeah. Can move further forward than than re- reaching something that you think you're meant to be attaining.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I love doing studies for, for paintings <laughs> where you know and i'll say like well i'm i'm learning from turner today i'm taking mm-hmm. some lessons from whistler today that's who i'm yeah. learning from today that's my art teacher by studying their work and um you know replicating it uh, i think i do think you learn so much and i love actually one of the quotes that i wrote down from your book um ties beautifully <laughs> into this you said let me let me quote you to you so you <laughs> know <laughs> Um, you said creativity is not about learning how to create something like everyone else. It's about learning how to acknowledge the true value in what you do. And yeah. and I thought that was, again, just so insightful and, yeah. and such a thoughtful encouragement to people that, um, man, if, if you're stuck in comparison, like, that's just not what it's all about. It's about yeah. like that's been done. What they're doing <laughs> is being done. And you need yeah. to do what you do because that's yeah. only you can do that. Um well, I, mean, I can understand. I can understand how people get stuck and, oh, and yeah. completely
2: overwhelmed by if you're just starting out and you know, and you <laughs> say you go, Oh, I'm gonna have a look at Philip Stanton, five for inf account, and there I am by like, doing My images or my little videos or something, but I've been doing it for ages, and I can understand that somebody might go, Oh, but I can't do that. But if you scrolled right back to the beginning of my Instagram, Mm. (laughs) you would see just how (laughs) nothing I think (laughs) (laughs) they were. I don't know, yeah. So it's, I, I can understand how people feel like that I want and I suppose in the book I wanted to gently encourage them this okay it's okay to feel like that but it's you just keep going yeah this you can't do creativity like at the weekend yeah Mm. it's it's everything yeah and embarking on a creative you know way of looking is for the rest of your life yeah yeah You've had it for the whole of your childhood, I'm pretty sure. Most people had it for the whole of their childhood. They've somehow gone, oh, that's not grown up, and I've got to be a grown up (laughs) now. And then if you're reawakening yourself to your creative process or creativity, that's for the rest of your life. You can't switch it off. And it can only be beneficial. So if you're at the beginning of that, you just have to really acknowledge that you're at the beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you don't know where it's going to lead.
1: I love that can to really acknowledge the, that. Yeah, that you're at the beginning. Creativity
0: workbook because that. Uh, so I have not. I didn't read it yet. I haven't bought it. I just bought it. <laughs> you just bought it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need to to get it too. But I was so intrigued when I saw you like ripping a page out and you actually like lit it on fire and then you had like orange (laughs) peels out too and I'm like oh my gosh which I'm such a tidy person that I was like what is she doing to the book no it's definitely (laughs) for you yeah it's I had funny meetings at the but you know when
2: I when I when I was approached to do that book it was like after the conscious creativity came out they said oh what other books have you you know have you got any other ideas (laughs) And I went yeah I want to do a book about telephone boxes telephone kiosks and there was just like some silence oh. <laughs> I thought um, I like, oh okay and we had this whole meeting and it, I just thought no because uh, you know that that was the only book I had in me I thought and then right at the end of the meeting um uh, the the publisher said well what about um like a work um a journal or a note, a workbook type of thing. I said, I don't want to do that. It's just like there are books, too many books with little things, trite yeah. little things. And I said, oh, and they're all very nice, but I'm sick of them. I don't want <laughs> – and he said, well, what would you do then? And I said, well, if I did something like that, I'd want to, like, rip pages out. You make it like a, a proper sketchbook, a workbook, that mm-hmm. you work it. And he went, we'll do that then. I was a bit shocked. I was a bit, I was like, oh, really? (laughs) You actually trusting me to do that? Anyway, so I did, I I embarked on this idea and went, I remember having a meeting halfway through and they were saying, can you just talk us through some of the things? And it's like, yeah, so halfway through the book, you have to get the book, everything you've done really wet. And then you have to work out how to dry it. And I put mine in the oven. And again, there was this silence. They were like, uh, okay. And, the, and one of the guys was just like, I'm a bit worried about health and safety. <laughs> but I was like, no, this is the point. It's for you. It's the people who are frightened of doing that. Right. People who think, what are you doing? Oh, it's just, it's basically a book to be free and experiment. It's not a it's not a book to read. There are things yeah. to read. Yeah. Um, oh, that's it. I remember at that same meeting, he, he said, oh, you, you say tear out a random page. He said, what if they tear out a page that's really important? <laughs> and I said, well, then it becomes even more important. All right. And, you know, they can save it at the back of the book. And then it becomes this thing. And he said, but what if they stick things in the book and they can't close it? I said, well, you find a rubber band. Put <laughs> a rubber band it. And um and actually the guy who sort of asked me to do it in the first place, he was laughing and he completely got it. Mm. And um and I feel very privileged that they allowed me to take it <laughs> further, but it was because there was no point, in my opinion, having written conscious creativity, just writing something else a bit like that. Yeah. I wanted to create like a a naughty sibling <laughs> to them. <laughs> So you, I love
1: yeah, that. Here,
2: so I can what I want in here. Yeah, and um, it's great seeing what people have done. Some people just go, "Oh my god," this, they're going crazy with it. Other people are a bit frightened, which yeah. is why I do like you know, <laughs> try and make people not be frightened.
0: <laughs> okay, I have to get this now because I, I can't wait. I, I am so i'm really into creativity but it's very you know i definitely have my boundaries and one of those You're is quite kind controlled. of it's kind of this boundary of tidiness if it's not tidy oh, yeah. i then i i don't really like it or if i'm not happy with it i i'll rip it out i have a lot of my sketchbooks have many pages ripped out because i wasn't so you happy can rip, yeah. Yeah. You can rip then yeah i can rip but only if i and i'm i'm a little fearful of like Creating something I really love, and then it's in a sketchbook. So then I, I'm afraid I won't be able to do it again. So anyway, I, I need because to get the workbook. Really That'll be good for me. Yeah. That
2: point you make about your, you know, you must have had this thing where you're writing something, or you may, maybe even for your book where you write it, and then suddenly it deletes it or you lose it, and you go, oh my god, I've got to write think- it all again. And then, uh, and so I, I try when that happens often and you do write it again, it's better. So yeah. there's an exercise in the workbook where you have to write some stuff out and then over on the next page, it goes, now rub it out. Yeah. And so it's, and what can you remember? Um, and so it is about addressing those things that y- you just mentioned you're frightened of. You go, well, what
0: if that happens? Or what if that mm-hmm. happens? And I'm going, okay, yeah. What if it happens? <laughs> do it. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's maybe because i i grew up in the theater as well and when you do theater it's it's live and you have one chance and i think yeah. that i think that maybe some of those fears come from that it's like you you always want people to see the best performance That's and the and i completely get that once you yeah. create it it's gone you can't you know you have to of redo it it has it. to be yeah. it has to be
2: a certain way the rehearsal room is is where you mess about and stuff but i i always feel that I had this big sort of realisation. I was in in a show with Mark Rylance Mm. and um, there was a bit at the end and he had a big speech and he did all this stuff and we all had to be sitting on stage watching him. I used to watch him do this stuff every night and I just used to think, why can't I be freer Mm. like him? Mm. Why, Why do I have to feel I've got to get it so right and good? Mark Rylance just was you could see him experimenting and just or doing, he just had a freedom yeah. of, it felt like he almost didn't care. I mean, obviously he does, but it felt like he was so open to anything happening. Yeah, And mm. I remember thinking, oh, I, I'd love to try and explore that. And I find it way harder to do that in the theatre than I do... You know, shoving a book in the oven
1: yeah
2: <laughs> um, so I can yeah you have to be you have to be precise on stage yeah, yeah. and and I would have I would have loved to have uh, ex- just been able to experiment and feel freer um, yeah. and also I think because I I started acting young at 13 at, with these amazing actors at the RSC it's like I had to be professional I had to do the yeah. right thing and get it right I'd be out of there if I you know didn't I wanted them all to think that I was that I was good and doing the right thing mm. so yeah I can see how that's that's not massively helpful yeah. <laughs> creatively <laughs>
0: Well, so tell us what you have going on now. You had, so I know you just released, you just sold out of um, puzzles that you're making with your <laughs> images, which the, are they just available in the UK? I know they're beautiful. I, I looked and. You no, know, I ship worldwide. What was really weird
2: about that, I've always loved jigsaws. I've, I've produced a few small jigsaws for quite a few years in my shop at Christmas. Um, and then. This Christmas, I was doing a lot of jigsaws and, and I suddenly thought, weirdly, i got an acting job for the first time in, you know, quite a long time. And I thought, oh, I'm going to buy some jigsaws with some of that money. Um, I'm going to invest and buy 50 jigsaws. I'm just going to do it because so I've been thinking about it for years. And I did it and then they basically sold out. You know, in a couple of days, and I had just enough time to add to that order because it was pre orders, so I ordered um fifty more, and then they sold out wow, and then I thought, oh okay well i 'll release more images, and then the last batch which I've, I've just posted out and stuff, I think yeah, they sold out in less than twenty four hours. Wow,
0: yeah, I was That's going great. to buy one, but I thought oh i don 't know if she I should have just checked out. I, yeah, but i thought little- i don't know if she sells to the u.s so i'll do i'll buy one next time because i love puzzles and they're they're so fun they're very colorful and they're oh, yeah, just they're beautiful. so if you go to Philippa's instagram you'll see like the kind of images that she she takes and the jigsaw puzzles are of are oh, of her betty's images,
1: pastels are- merciful savior yeah. those are <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, it's a good one. Yeah. Betty and Betty was the mother-in-law of a really good friend of mine. Oh. And Betty died, and my friend came round and said, I've got a load of Betty's. She was an artist, but uh, and she said, Would you like them? <gasps> I, yeah. I actually gave their family one of these puzzles and he um Richard, who <coughs> whose mother it was, he was so moved. Oh. And as a family, they all sat down and did this puzzle that was their grandmother's
1: oh that's awesome
0: oh how special yeah
1: really wonderful
0: so are you going to be releasing more yes i've got so
2: they're all limited editions so i don't reprint um and (coughs) excuse me four more released at the end of april for a pre-order and they'll be they'll arrive with me mid-may and then i'll do some more, and I will obviously be doing them near Christmas. I'm I'm trying to release some kind of every other month. Okay, mm-hmm. um, it's still a bit scary and a bit. <laughs> I hadn't planned on doing this. I was literally kind of at the beginning of the year thought I'm just going to float. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just going to float. But also um, at the end of the year, well, in October, um, I've my new project with the publisher is. Um, again I said no not a book I want to do something else I want to produce cards these I when I was writing the workbook um my husband had brought in a box of cards he said oh these might help you because I was a bit kind of like oh I don't know what I'm doing and they were a box of Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt cards called Oblique Strategies Hmm. I was like where have you had these these are brilliant (laughs) they're just black cards with weird things written on them hundred cards or something Uh and so when they said to me what what other ideas have you got I just want I I said I want to make some cards that are about coincidence chance randomness and I I want them to be kind of just precipitate openness and coincidence uh, and just, just have be you know there some of them are creative prompts but they're quite like I said they're quite ambiguous they're quite abstract um both the image and the words on the back yeah and I think it's really important for people to um investigate or explore yeah. ab- the sense of abstract whatever that is we've all got abstract stuff going on in our heads and if we just connect with that, even if we go, oh, it's a bit weird, that's that's a massive thing. That's Mm -hmm. massive. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's not all linear. We might have ideas that we can't even have words for. And so the cards that I've created to try and encourage that but they're multi-purpose as well so you can play snap with them you can play um pairs you know memory games you can use them for i spy in the back of the car or something like that on journeys so they're fun uh,
0: yeah i'm really excited so when when do those come out october oh okay so a few months wonderful um, and do you know? Are so? Are you selling them directly, or will they be available like on you know at booksellers? Yes. Okay, yeah, they'll be okay. available in, in all the places that my books. Are. Okay, wonderful. That's exciting. Well, Philippa, it's been so wonderful speaking with you. It really has it's really. Truly an honor. You you guys really do need to go check out her Instagram if you haven't seen her. One thing I love is when she shares outfits that she's wearing. They Uh are adorable and um, very eclectic. And she often rides around her studio on roller skates, which just makes me happy (laughs) to see that. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe should I have a pair of roller skates? <laughs> yes. Baby?
1: yes, you should.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you should. Um,
0: but so we do ask when we have guests, we ask them to share a creative contraption at the end of our show. That's one of, you know, just a favorite creative tool that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to hear what yours is. So, do you have one <laughs> well, to share with us? Yeah. I. It was really
2: interesting because I thought, of God, I don't really know. And then I thought, no, what I carry around with me all the time. And even, you know, when I was at drama school, the thing that people knew me for, I had everything at my fingertips, but in my bag, in my pencil case. So my pencil mm-hmm. case is a massive thing. So this, you know, it's just a, I've got a little slim pencil case with all sorts of pens, all sorts of different things like, you know, rubbers, cartridges, uh, um, that's erasers, by the way. Yes. yes I was.
0: <laughs> okay. I just, we, I we figured. <laughs> we need to do a little translation for. That's for awesome. A <laughs> my favorite thing is my ink pen. Okay. Ah, so, but, what so is it? I have it, a lot of choice. Is in, it a specific pen that you use, uh, or is it kind yeah, of any it, ink pen? So, I've had it for years, actually. And actually,
2: I think this was my ex-husband's that I oh. saw <laughs> and um, how old it is. And it's a Lammy um, and it's an italic nib. And I like to use black ink uh, and um, yeah, I've had it a long time. The lid doesn't fit properly. Actually, oh, really? So I have to be careful with it. Uh, um, and I, I was, I was taught to write in italics when I was um, at school
0: yeah. and,
2: I take a great joy in handwriting, yeah. And so, you know, and even with my my jigsaw puzzles that I post, I handwrite all the addresses and everything. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And I've got another ink pen, more recent one. I would say maybe about five years ago that I was bought, and that's just coming into its own. That's not italic, and I sort of use them for different things. But I, I love having an ink pen.
0: Mm.
1: okay yeah so that's
0: my favorite creative everyday contraction thank you for sharing yes. that with us yeah it's funny my kids have I don't know where they got a fountain pen but somebody at school gave them both a fountain pen and they brought, they both come home with just their hands just covered. covered in ink <laughs> every day and I'm just like well and but they love working with the fountain pen so I'm like yeah that's good okay. to hear no kids did that anymore right I mean, again, I don't know where they got them from. I, but it's it's been a really funny thing to watch that now they're becoming kind of these these pen connoisseurs. Man. <laughs> but it's Your such a mess. There's Something very sensory about them. So not only are you writing, I love the
2: sound of it. Yes, I do too. Yeah. and the I, scratchiness. Kind of, yeah, and and the different how it, it works differently on different papers mm-hmm. and. And if you turn the nib upside down, or you know, there's,
0: I, I, I think it's a, yeah, it's a special thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that too. We, we talk a lot about pens and pencils no, yeah. because we, <laughs> we're into the, the experience of them. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. Yes. And um, I just want to encourage. Um, those who listen to her podcast to go check out her book check out what she's doing on Instagram I just guarantee you you'll be inspired encouraged um it'll make you smile all of that all of that good stuff mm-hmm. so um I'm not sure what we're talking about next week but no we
1: we'll figure more. it out
0: <laughs> yeah we will we'll just on the fly yeah so uh so we hope we'll see you next week Thank you for listening to the Creative Exponent podcast. Our original theme was written by a Walker Spring and recorded by Ellie Swope and Johan Wagner.
1: And if you like the Creative Exponent, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us at www.thecreativeexponent.com. And you can also send us an email at hello at creativeexponent.com.